0: Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Lord, as we unpack this very familiar piece of scripture, Lord, would you teach us? Would you remind us of your words? Lord, would you speak afresh to our hearts? And Lord, we pray, would you reveal your love for us? In Jesus' name. Amen. Great stuff. Well, uh, there's a bit of a pause in the series of Nehemiah. So if you've come for Nehemiah, I'm very sorry. But uh, we're not going to be doing that today. So I'm very sorry, Chris. I know you'd psyched yourself up for another session in Nehemiah. Uh, But we're actually doing Leviticus chapter... No, I'm only joking. Don't worry. You should have seen some of the looks on people's faces. They were absolutely shocked. But we're in John... Fifteen. Today would have been the date that we opened up Telford Minster. It was in the diary. The bishop was set to come. All the stuff would have been ready, but it's not today. It's not today, and you know what? That's all right. It's in God's timing, not ours. It'll happen. Uh, Some builders were appointed last week, which is great. So we are now looking into early November for it to be ready, which is actually, dare I say, not that far away. I think it works out to be 19 weeks or 18 weeks or something crazy like that, but it's not that long. It's okay. But I had a sense of the Lord speaking to me as kind of this gap in the rotor was coming closer and closer. What on earth are we going to do? Should we kind of push everything in Nehemiah earlier? And I just had a sense of God saying, just wait. Something will come. And, you know, I didn't want to just plow on, but wanted to wait. Lord, what do you want to say to your church? God, what do you want to say to... Telford Minster, that are gathered. What do you want to say to those who are going to be listening later on? And it's probably the most profound thing in all of the scriptures. The most profound thing. And it's this I love you. I love you. Does anyone remember the song? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. No singing. Yes, Jesus. (laughs) But that's what he wants to say over us today. I love you. I love you. Now, for us as Brits, it's not really easy to accept love, is it? It's actually really difficult. Someone says, I love you, we get all just a little bit awkward. And we're like, oh, I don't really know what to say or what's going on. Most spouses are now looking at their husbands. Most of the blokes in the room are now wanting to run away what the heck is Matt talking about? He's talking about love. What on earth should we do? I want to run a mile. Please, can this not be a long one? I want to escape. We are confident to say, yes, Jesus, we love you. But are we just as confident in receiving it? And my hunch is that we aren't. We're pretty bad at receiving God's love for us. You know, we go, okay, Jesus, I I do this for you, and I do this for you, and I do this for you, so surely I love you. And he's going, no, 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 I love you before you do a single thing, before you volunteer, before you, you know, give, before you do anything. He's saying, I love you. But do we know that we are indeed loved? love beyond measure and so we're going to have a look at this passage in John 15 the I am the vine it's one of the seven I am sayings in John's gospel I am the vine and my father is the gardener I am the vine and you are the branches And it's a really interesting thing how does love work out with gardening and there's some pretty tricky things to say in this passage so how does that all fit together matt why couldn't you choose a a different passage see the thing is with gardening and i'm a little bit of a gardener i love it and i love caring for each plant individually Do you know what? God cares for you all individually in the most remarkable ways. See, I am the true vine. It's about this plant that's in growth. And I don't know if you guys uh, know about vines at all. But the thing is, there's a, a structure that remains there all the time. All the time. And if you see vineyards in winter... All you can see are these kind of brown stick things sticking there, all tied into these wires. That's the volume. It doesn't change. Guess what? Jesus does not change. Our moods go up and down. Our affections go up and down. Our emotions go up and down. Sometimes multiple times a day. Sometimes multiple times a minute but Jesus stays the same. And then what else? It's to bear fruit. Bears fruit. See the gardener wants the vine to bear fruit, just like Jesus wants us to be bearing fruit too. There's relationship in there as well. Listen to that I'm the vine and my father is the gardener. This relationship. My father. Not someone who's far off but someone who's close who knows me by name who was part of me at my conception. Father, son, dearly loved. He even goes on to say later on whatever you ask for. And it Reminds us of uh, the Sermon on the Mount ask, seek, and knock. Which father would give their child a snake or a scorpion? No, but the very, very best, because he loves us. Whatever you ask for, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to us? The gardener cares prunes for fruit, tends and cares for that plant, feeds it, gives it everything it needs so that it can produce as much fruit as possible. And I know I'm going into gardening territory and we could spend all day here. Monty Don has got nothing on me, I can promise you that. But there's some tricky bits in there too, isn't there? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Ooh. That hurts. Why? Because he loves you. If you don't nip off those branches that are diseased and ready to drop off, and all sorts of things, viruses and all sorts of things get into the plant, and it actually can end up killing the plant. So he prunes these things off, not because he hates us, not because he's like, oh, well. I'm I feel a bit mean today, I'm going to prune that off. No, it's because he cares for the plant. He wants it to become even more fruitful. And if you want the theological term for that, it's called sanctification. Oh, big word. Sanctification. Making you to be more and more like Jesus every day. There are things in all of us that need a little bit of pruning. And if we let them sit there and keep on growing, guess what? They're going to start to choke the life out of the branch. Things in our life, our attitudes towards things or our lifestyle, what we do with our cash, what we watch on the internet, how we treat other people, what we worship. See, because everything that we worship who isn't Jesus will kill us. Everything we worship that isn't Jesus will end up killing us. It's Him and Him alone. See, because if we have a look at verse three in this passage, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken in you. You have already been pruned. Because of the word I've spoken in you. You are already clean. What is that word? It's probably what, what Peter says here because he's talking to the disciples. Just a little bit earlier on he says, Jesus you are the Messiah. Jesus you are God. You are the one who's to come to save us from everything around us. That's the thing we need to know, to know that we're grafted into the the vine. That Jesus, you are the savior of the world. You are the one who's there to save us from ourselves and from everything else. Those words that Jesus had been speaking to these uh, disciples in the previous days, as we then look at verse uh, chapter 13 and 14 and into 15. Go away. Give them a read this week. Sit and mull over it. Because it's all about how God loves you and how God loves us and how God loves uh, each and every single person. We've got to remember that he loves us. And therefore he says, remain in me. Remain in me. And then he gets into gardening terms again. Because if the branch doesn't remain attached to the vine, it dies. There's no roots. There's no uh, branches to hold it up. All of that just bleh, and dies and gets pruned off and chucked into the fire because it withers and dies. No matter how hard we try, unless we're connected to Jesus, we cannot bear fruit. I, always remember, I uh, always remember the story about John Wimber, who uh, started the Vineyard Movement, was part of New Wine, was part of uh, some of the charismatic renewal across the, the country in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. He was working and doing these conferences, and he was just not seeing the things that he saw Jesus doing. And he was going, come on, God, why aren't you blessing my ministry? And he just heard the Spirit saying to him, because it's my ministry how about you don't do things in your own strength but you do them in mine and then let's see what happens and again that's when the vineyard movement began to grow and we saw things happening and we saw Toronto and all sorts of things that all came out of that sort of thing because we're going Jesus it's your ministry it's not mine my job is to stick with you and nothing else I'm not following leaders, I'm not following personalities, I'm not following anything else but Jesus, you and you alone. Because when we follow uh, leaders that aren't following Jesus, we get into trouble. When we put leaders on pedestals and go, oh, I want to be like that, there's a problem. We want to be like Jesus. Jesus no one else. If you want to be like me, I'm very sorry. It's going to be terrible. Be like Jesus. See, remain in me. That's where the fruit will come. Because how many times do we we do things without even bringing him into the equation? 60%, 70%, 80%, 90%, 99.9% 99.9% of our days and lives, we just plow on. And do, you, do you know what, Jesus? I might give you an hour and a bit on Sunday, or I might read, you, read a bit of your word in the week, but the rest of the time I'm living my life completely unconscious of you working in me. We've got to remain in him. See, because I, I, this week, we're, we're reading through Matthew's gospel and Matthew chapter seven. Uh, let me read it to you quickly now. It says this in uh, Matthew seven twenty one to 23. See, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Imagine if the Lord said that over us. You know, we we met Jesus face to face and we said, well, we saw the most miraculous stuff happening in Telford. We saw healing and people being set free and uh, money materializing and food coming and people being set free from debt and from human trafficking and all these sorts of things going on in Telford. And Jesus turned around and goes, well, I don't know you. how much are we doing just of our own stuff? And Jesus is going, I don't know you. Wouldn't that be terrifying? Many of us are really, really talented. We can do the most amazing things. We can do things without him. Yeah. But he's saying, remain in me. Let me use your gifts and talents that I've given you for the sake of the kingdom. Remain in me. Because that's where the fruit is going to come from. See, when we remain in him, the vision of what he's going to be doing in Telford and the surrounding areas is going to be too big for us. Because what we can imagine is a tiny little thing actually what God is going to be doing in us when we remain in him is far bigger than all we can ask and imagine I said to uh, Bishop Sarah before I arrived in Telford I said you know Bishop Sarah this has got to be something that is far bigger than any of us could ever do by ourselves unless God shows up this is going to fail so why don't we just pray for God to start to show up and he's doing it the, the playing field is shifting stuff is changing God is beginning to set out his plans for Telford rather than our own but we've got to remain in him we have to remain in his love we have to abide in him why? it says it right here because you'll bear much fruit No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, it withers and it's thrown into the fire. But if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Do we abide in him? Do we abide in him? Do we say, God, I've had enough of this. God, the sickness is driving me crazy. Would you sort it out? God, I'm desperate. I need your help. Would you come and do this? God, I'm really struggling with this. Would you, would you help me? See, because sometimes we can hold God at a distance. We say to him, God, you can only come this close. But the problem is, is God wants to come and have every fiber of our being. He wants to be in us and work through us. But we have to let him in. It's that bit in, in Revelation. I stand at the door and knock. Everyone who hears my voice and welcomes me and I'll come in and eat with them. See, when we invite him in, we invite him in lock, stock and barrel. We give him the keys to our house and say, there we go, it's yours. Go through every room of our house if you want. Open all the cupboards, see what's in them. Because when we do that... He uses us beyond all we can ever ask or imagine. If you've got your Bibles in verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. See, the Father loves Jesus. We see it at Jesus' baptism You are my Son, who I love. With you, I'm well pleased. We see it at the Transfiguration in Mark, in Mark nine. "This is my son who I love. Listen to him." See, before Jesus does anything, before Jesus does anything miraculous, God already says, "I love you." Before Jesus saves the entire world by dying on the cross, God says... I love you. Before you see anything changing in Telford, guess what God is saying over you? Three guesses. I love you. I love you. See, because we're, in revite- we're invited into a relationship with God. relationship of love rather than a relationship of you do this and you get that. It's not a transaction. Well, God, if you do this, then you can have that. Well, God, if I do this, I demand that. See, that's not love, is it? If I say to Emily, who is my wife, I love you, but don't actually do anything or show her anything. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Don't ask her any questions later when you joking. See, it's a two-way relationship. Often we can, as the church, give Jesus a list of things. God, you must do this and you must do this and you must do this and you must do this. And he's saying, I love you but you must do this, Jesus, and you must do this, and you must do this. And he's going, no, I love you. See, we can sometimes miss the relationship because we have lists of things that we need him to do. And he says, I love you. Remain in my love. See, when you remain in me, you do the things that my father commands. So remain in my love. Stay put, don't leave. It's your choice, but stay with me. See, we've got a choice. We can either go, okay, God, yes, you love me. Jesus, you love me. And I'm going to choose to believe that. Or we can wander away and go, okay, God, yes, you love me. But I'm going to just go and do my own thing. See, he's not got us tethered to something and saying, right, you can't move. I've got you now. He's saying, no, I love you. Remain with me. Stick with me. See, when we stay in his love, naturally, we keep to his commands. Because the spirit in us, sanctifying us to be more and more like Jesus, begins to say, hang on, come on, don't do that. You should be doing this. Don't do that. You should be doing this. Stay in my love. Why? So that my joy can be made complete in you. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met have been Christians. Genuinely. Some of the most bitter, twisted, miserable, dejected, dejected, feared, self focused people I've ever met. Some of them have been Christians. (coughs) And I wonder if that's because maybe some of us aren't remaining in His love. See, when you're loved, you can face the world. When you are loved, you can do anything. We're going to take the town when we're loved. But when we kind of are holding his love at arm's reach, we're going, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I, I, I'm not sure I want to do that. Or oh, I can't be bothered. See, when you're loved, you're fired up. We, uh, Steph married a couple yesterday. I married a couple yesterday. Their love was almost tangible. I got a couple of raised eyebrows with a family who, who aren't uh, part of the, a local church. And I said, Guess what? For you two to this couple, this is the lowest point of your love. It only goes up from here. Doesn't it, parents? And they kind of, ha ha ha, nervous laugh. <laughs> See, the moments that we come to faith in Jesus should be the lowest point of our love for him, not the highest point. Because it grows just like marriage does. Every day you love the person more and more and more and more. See, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we remain in his love. We love him more and more and more and more. But unlike a marriage, he says, you've got everything of me right now. There is no greater love. He says it in this passage. There's no greater love. Than someone who lays down their life for one's friends. Jesus has already done it. There's no greater love he can lavish upon you. He's done it for all eternity. His love won't grow and grow and grow and grow every day. Because he's given it all. But he's saying... Would you come and remain in my love? Because when you do, your joy will be complete. It's not happiness that kind of fleets and goes up and down. And, you know, one day I'm happy, one day I'm not. One day I'm sad, one day I'm not. No, it's not that. Joy is this deep-seated comfort and this deep-seated knowing of his love. So... Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you know that he loves you? He loves you. 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 We need to know that we are loved. Before any fruit is born, he loves you. The fruit is the overflow of love, not the other way around. The more you do for him does not show how much he loves you. He loves you, and out of that, the world changes. Remain in his love.